Father God, would you please speak to us now, we pray, through your word, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you please be seated. Well, I'd like us to look at those last two verses of our reading from James, the uh, second of the readings. James writes, If any think they are religious and do not bridle their tongues but deceive their hearts, their religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to care for orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. There are three marks of true religion, and I fear that I fail pretty disastrously on all of them. The first one is this. If any think they are religious and do not bridle their tongues but deceive their heart, their religion is worthless. James spends a great deal of time talking about the tongue and talking about what comes out of the mouth. We'll see that in a couple of weeks' time. It's interesting that he speaks of the tongue and not, in this case, of the written word. I think that's because what comes out of our speech and what comes out of our mouth is so often what is actually in our heart, as our Gospel reading says. You know, we say the stuff and suddenly out it comes. Somebody describes it a bit like a tube of toothpaste. You squeeze it, out it all comes, and you can't really put it back in. You can try. But it is interesting that he speaks of the tongue, not of the written word. Firstly, very few people of his time used writing. And secondly, writing requires you to think a bit. You have to get a piece of paper and write something and then work out how you're going to get that piece of paper to the person you want it to go to. So you start to write and out comes, it comes from the heat within you, uh, and out comes all the hurt and the anger but then you need to somehow get that to the person you want to receive it, and that gives you time to stop and think, and often it means putting your brain into action at that point, and you're given time to tear up the letter and rewrite it. But I think that if James was writing today, he would also include, with his speech, emails, WhatsApps, Facebook, V-Contact, Instagram, and Twitter posts. Why? Because like speech, it can be instant. One of the things that I've heard from several people who have become bishops in the Church of England that has shocked them is the sort of language that people use in some of their emails when they write to them even when they write to them, uh, even the clergy. They just, they said, didn't expect that. One of my previous bishops used to answer those emails by simply asking the person to rewrite their email 
before he would even consider replying to it. But James does not simply tell us to bridle the tongue, or if you like, to control that instant reaction. He helps us to do so. He says, let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, or perhaps I should say slow to hit send, and slow to anger. In other words, God gave you two of these and one of these. So let's use them in that proportion. Twice listen, once speak. Or to use a phrase of my grandmother, before you reply, especially if you've got hot, before you reply, count to ten. One, two, three, four, just to think. One of the things that I do with emails that I'm tempted to write back immediately, especially, again, if I'm hot, if, is that before I write, especially if it's a reply and I've, you know, I've hit reply and I'm writing it down, I remove the email address of the person to whom I want to send it to. Because that means that if at the end of my furious rant I hit send, it goes nowhere. <laughs> I have to at least put the address back in. We need to stop and we need to listen and we need to think. And it's even more important if we are responding in anger. Human anger may get things done at a human level but it does not do God's work. It doesn't bring about the righteousness that God asks. The problem, you see, is that our anger is too much wrapped up in ourselves. In, in my case, it's usually because I have felt slighted or ignored or put on or felt that I have been treated as irrelevant or insignificant. Last week, we were in a restaurant, and we were waiting and waiting and waiting for the food to come. In the end, I went to someone to ask when the food was coming. I intended to be very calm and very level, but as I spoke with them, I felt the anger surge in me, and I had to walk away quite quickly. So often we get angry because our I has become too big. We think it's all about me and about the things that I value or desire. And the problem is that the things that I value and desire are not always, not always, the right things. That's why the Jesus prayer, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner, is so helpful. It reminds me of who I am and why I am not so important. And that is why only the anger of Jesus, the Son of God, can do the word work of God. He did get angry, but that's okay, because the eye of Jesus coincides completely with the eye of God. But there's another reason that we need to bridle the tongue. You see, if we're so keen to speak, to tell others what we think, we find it very hard to listen. 
And James urges us to be people who listen, who listen to others, what they are really saying, and who listen to God, and who listen and who receive his word. The second mark of true religion is this, that it is to care for orphans and widows in their distress. Orphans and widows in the society in which James lived were desperately vulnerable. There was no social safety net. If they had no relatives to care for them, then anything could happen to them. We speak today of trafficking and slavery. Orphans and widows are still very vulnerable in many societies, along with many other people. We think of refugees or people with learning disabilities, or those who are handicapped and disabled, or those who are shut in. Jesus spoke about how the world, how a society, will be judged on how it treats a member of a despised sect who is hungry, thirsty, naked, a stranger in prison or sick. What James is saying is that if a person has a real faith, if the word has been implanted in them, if they are born again, if they have been given birth by the word of truth, verse 18, then they will show compassion to the person in need. Now this is a huge, huge area. I can't really begin to touch on it today, but a faith that is not expressed in compassion for those in need is no real faith. John writes about that. He says in his letter, how can you claim to have the love of God in you if you do not love your Christian brother or sister? How can you say to a starving person, God bless you, if you're not prepared to do something about it? And while it's good to be part of a community which does work with widows and orphans, quite literally, Moscow Protestant chaplaincy run a pensioner's drop-in every other Wednesday, and Vivierk, originally started by members of St Andrews, run their school for orphans and people with mental disabilities here on our premises, I'm not sure that we as individuals can hide behind that. If our faith is not beginning to help us to see everyone as God sees them, with his compassion and love, whoever they are, in the next verses, James challenges the church to receive every person who comes through the door, whether they're wealthy and well-dressed, or if they are in dirty clothes and smell. To each, we are called to treat each person with the same dignity. And if your faith is not beginning to give you a greater compassion for people who are in need, then we really need to question whether we have actually received the word of truth. And the third mark of true religion is that we will be growing in holiness. Religion that is pure and undefiled is this, verse 27, to keep oneself unstained by the world. Earlier in our passage, we're told, rid yourselves of all sordidness and rank growth of wickedness and welcome with meekness the implanted word that has the power to save your souls. 
It does not mean that we become holier than thou. It does not mean that we stand over others and we judge them. It means we become more like Jesus Christ. He was very much part of the world. He had a profession. He uh, probably was a, 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 a builder carpenter working together with his, his human father. And then he became a rabbi. He taught in the synagogues. Large crowds came to hear him. He went to parties put on by the sort of people who the religious leaders despised. But he did not live by the values of the world. He was different. He was not into status or possessions. He didn't use his power for his own purposes. He didn't try to seize political power. Instead, he lived for God. He preached the rule and the kingdom of God. He prayed for people and they were healed or set free from demonic powers. And he was willing to die so that people could share in, could experience the relationship that he had with his Father in heaven. And we're called to become like him. We're to let go of the pride that leads to anger. We're to let go of all that list of awful things that are mentioned in our Gospel reading in Mark, the filth that defile us, and the lusts that deafen us to the word of God. So how? How? As I said at the beginning, if these are the three marks of true religion, I fail and I fa fail pretty spectacularly on all of them. How can I bridle my tongue? How can I become more compassionate? Because if I start to care for orphans and widows and people, in need, in my own strength, I will simply burn out. I know because I have tried, even as someone who claimed to believe in the Lord Jesus, and I did burn out. How can I keep myself unstained from the world? Well, we need to be hearers of the word. Yes, the book of James is about the works that follow faith. That's the main emphasis of the book of James, on the works that follow faith. But it begins with faith. This is chapter one of the book. It begins with asking for wisdom, verse five, with receiving new birth through the word of God, verse 18 with humbly listening and taking in that word, verse 21. It begins, it all begins, with receiving the love of God, the forgiveness that God offers, and with asking God for his Holy Spirit. That's why we're here. That's why we're here listening to his word, receiving his word. That's why we come to communion. We come offering nothing. We come to receive, to ask him to come into us. And this word, this word in verse 22, we're told, is like a mirror. In um, Harry Potter, um, the, the novels, Harry discovers a mirror. And he spends hours looking at it because in this mirror, he sees he's an orphan, his parents have died, but he sees himself with his parents. And he's captivated by this mirror. 
uh, until somebody explains to him, this is the mirror of erised, which is the word desire backwards. This is the mirror of desire. You look in this mirror and you see what you desire. Well, the word is a mirror. Not a mirror of desire, but a mirror of reality and a mirror of liberty. It's a mirror that shows us as we are, with all our failures and weakness, with our desperate state without God and our need for God. But it also is a mirror which shows us how and what we can become. It shows us, as we look at us, forgiven people, as beloved by God and accepted. It's not Harry with his parents. You look in this mirror and you see yourself with Father God embracing you. And as you look in this mirror, you see yourself as you will become holy and radiant, set free from sin. This is the mirror of liberty. And the word also, we're told, is like an embedded seed. It's implanted into our hearts. If we receive it and persevere, then it will grow in us. C.S. Lewis describes this as a good infection. Not a bad bug that we've got, but a good bug that comes into us and that will gradually overwhelm our body and soul. It will transform us from the inside out, and it will slowly, and over time, it will transform us into radiant plants that bear beautiful fruit, which give us a glimpse of what the future creation will be like. It will transform us, this word, so that we, with the radiance of the glory of God, will shine and bring glory to God. Father God, help us to be people who hear your word, and by the power of your Spirit, help us to be people who do your word. Amen.